When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
risky economies, troubled companies, because they made you 2.5% this year. But that short-term return is random. You should not be focused on returns. You should be focused on how you want your money managed, either by you or by somebody else. What do you believe? Do you believe in just owning index funds and getting what the market provides? Or do you think you are a great stock picker, that you can see the future enough to know, here's how I should invest tomorrow? Or do you want to hire an actively managed mutual fund manager who says, here's what we're going to do. And here's why I think the future looks this way. And by the way, the, the, the landscape of financial advisors is littered with those who say, here's what the future looks like. They're really good at saying that until the future arrives, because once it does, so few of them have been correct. Even Warren Buffett, the greatest active manager maybe of our generation, says, when I'm gone to his spouse, put it all in an index fund and just leave it there. Don't try to find the next person who can pick companies because it's so incredibly difficult to do. Don't base your decision on firing an advisor only on how much they've made or lost. You need to know the philosophy. You need to know how you're invested. You need to know what period of time. Because one year, frankly, to look at any returns is so random. It is, it is a completely useless piece of information. The academics that I trust are going to tell you, you need to look at at least 10-year returns. When we look at portfolios, for the most part, we go back to 1970. And some people who manage money the way we do can go back 90 years to say, here's kind of generally how things have worked. And by the way, they will admit it, and they need to, that the future may look completely different. We don't know. So my portfolio is built with my need for return and my ability to take the ups and downs. It has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on in the geopolitical situation. It has nothing to do with whether the economy looks good or bad in this period of time. It has nothing to do with who's occupying the White House. Because that is, again, a very random thing, as we've learned this last couple of years. Build the right portfolio, rebalance it, keep your expenses low, and tune everything else out. We're here to answer your questions, 855-935-8255. We'll be right back with more on Talking Real Money. All right, let's get this break out of the way really quickly. If you're looking for an investment advisor, you need a fee-only, 100% fiduciary, low-cost, science-based advisor. And that describes Vestory. If you'd like to learn more about us, it's really easy. Go to Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com, or give us a call at 800-386-3004, 800-386-3004. There, that wasn't so bad. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. Talking real money here to help you. 855-935-TALK. 855-935-8255. Don Gone bringing in the experienced... Uh, uh, Securities litigator, employment law practice, Lawrence Kockoff, counsel at Core Cronin. And uh, I didn't give you a pitch last hour, so I feel kind of bad about that. You can go to Core Cronin with two R's 
com to learn more if you need uh, if you need help if you need lawyers i bring my lawyer with me everywhere but that's a whole other topic uh we'd love to talk to you about anything money related let's go to the phone jesse joins us here on talking real money hi jesse hi i am so glad that i have a chance to ask the questions to you <clears throat> uh, i i love your show um it helps me pass my early saturday mornings getting my clothes ready for work so i you guys are very entertaining. Hey, well, I'm glad we a provide a purpose, Jesse. That's good to know. Okay, my question was you were, you were you were talking to a, a previous caller about re, uh, taking the equity out of the home and using he was and and you were advising him and you gave him a terminology of something you call it about a lock or something. a HELOC home equity HELOC. line of credit H E L O C. H A no H E H E home equity line of credit HELOC. It's a it's a loan against the equity in your home. You take that money out. You could spend it on anything you like. Now you okay. just owe more money on your home as a result of that. Okay, so here's here's my question related to that. Now, if I do that, okay. The reason why I'm asking this question is because I'm I'm looking forward to retirement, hopefully within a year, and 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 instead of looking for a downsizing and looking for a cheaper place to live, I was hoping that I could use this this advice you gave and and refinance my house at a cheaper mortgage payment. Well, that may be that HELOC's different than refinance. Refinance per se looks at all of the value in your home, and then whatever you owe against that, you're refinancing that debt. At that time, you could say, "Well, I don't mind having more debt against my house if I'm because I'm going to use that. I'm going to sort of liquidate some of the equity there, and I'm going to use that to pay." And by the way, how old are you, uh, Jesse? I'm 65. I mean, you might look at, and and this has been become a bigger part of financial planning in the last few years, look at a reverse mm-hmm. mortgage, for example, where you can take a certain amount of equity out of your home there, and you don't have to pay it back. Whereas with a regular mortgage, you got to continue to pay. So, I mean, it's worth looking at both of those options. Okay. That's great. I, I do appreciate it. I tell you, your show is great for people like me. That's very kind oh, of you. I learn, I learn a lot. Thank That's you so very much. very kind. I'm glad the clothes get folded properly, too. By the way, you Lawrence wanted to correct me on the on the uh, the capital gains. I know you love the opportunity well, to correct, I correct, correct myself. Right here in public, so that's good for you. No, you know, my initial comment was talk to your tax preparer or a CPA, uh, but uh, we looked it up in the interim, and the essentially the tax-free money, the amount of gain on your house that is not subject to capital gains tax when you sell it, is 250000 for an individual, 500 for a married couple, and you need to have lived in the house as your principal residence for two out of the last five years. Yeah, so essentially if you bought something, you held it for a couple of years as your principal residence, it had a large run-up like things have had here in Seattle, you could sell it. If you're a married couple, you get 250000 of that uh, capital gain tax-free. At uh, No, a single, you get two fifty. married 500 I think I got all that right again. I think you got all okay. that right. All right. So, But, I mean, the other thing when we're talking about houses, I mean, I always like people to, to really understand when we're talking about something like a home equity line of credit or uh, a mortgage or a reverse mortgage, the house, the property on which it sits, is the collateral for that loan. 
And that is an illiquid form of investment. I mean, not recently in in the city of Seattle, you've been able to sell your house in a few days. But generally speaking, real estate is an illiquid asset class. And it's not something that you can count on selling on a dime to repay the loan. And so when you're engaging in these sorts of transactions just in the same way that with your investments, you need to think about it very carefully. And of course, for many people, their home mortgage is their single greatest investment uh, during their lifetime for a well, lot of people. And, and so this gives the this aspect of should I pay my mortgage down more quickly, it, it's more evidence against that because in a sense, you can't get the equity that's in that home to finance your lifestyle once you do quit you know quit earning money i mean it's not money you can get to whereas right. an investment portfolio as you pointed out at the top of the program sell something today it settles you get the money very quickly so it is the benefit of being more liquid especially in retirement is very very important well and that's why i think a lot of people talk about downsizing is that not only reduces essentially the cost of the asset the house itself but presumably it reduces the property tax uh, and some of the expenses that go along with it. I'm staying in my place. You going to stay yours? Uh, no, I'm going to downsize. You are going to downsize. Okay. Sooner or later. Yeah. I just love my house. I love where I live. I uh, I, I really don't want to leave. I um, love dinner at your house. <laughs> I do too when I'm not making it, which is darn rare. Uh, no. So I mean, I, this I think I think the housing thing should be a lifestyle decision generally. Place you like, place you can afford, and not do it because you're going to get rich. Now it turns out that you bought a house in a place that escalated faster than most other parts of the city. Right. We would consider that a random, lucky kind of event, generally. And you live in a city, which is seen... If you look historically at homes, you go back to the mid-50s, the National Mortgage Association done a lot of work here. And you bought and held real estate, over time, it's beat inflation by 1% to 2% a year, nationally. Seattle, the, the coasts have done far better. We have a brother in the Midwest who's made almost nothing on his house and owning it for about twenty years. Right. So buy a house because you want to buy a house because you want to live there and because it provides shelter. uh, And if you have children, that you want to send them to the local school. Yeah, that's the most important reason. No, I think those are good reasons. And and the problem is, people have seen others who have made a lot of money in homes, and they think I want. Everybody's getting rich, and I'm missing out. And I got to get. I got to get into this. And I try to advise them. First of all, after something's gone up dramatically this way, there is a tendency for things to go the other direction. See, 2000, 2008, we can go further back. Number two, you're generally over the long haul not going to get rich in real estate. Not true if you're a flipper, by the way, I understand that. Or if you're a fixer, if you buy something for 500000 you fix it up and you can sell for eight hundred. I, I know those are businesses. Most of you listening are not looking to run a business. You're looking to do something and make the money and get out of it. I see people making mistakes thinking they're going to get rich doing this easily. I haven't found the easy way to do it, I guess. Well, and there are a lot of expenses. Yeah. Right? Excise tax, uh, perhaps capital gains tax, fixing things up is expensive. Indeed, it all is. We're here to answer your questions. 855-935-8255. 855-935-TALK. On Talking Real Money, we'll be right back. If you're looking for a nice short podcast to tide you over between episodes of Talking Real Money, check out Money 30. Money 30 podcasts are between two and four minutes long, and they're available at every major podcast service, including Apple Podcasts, or you can visit money30.com. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. 
Welcome back to Talking Real Money, 855-935-8255, 855-935-TALK. We go to the phones. Eileen joins us on Talking Real Money. Hi, Eileen. Hi. I just want to, first of all, thank you guys for such a great show. Um, I have learned a lot of stuff, and where I work happens to be a large airplane company in Seattle area. Um, we have the opportunity to meet with some advisors for our um, retirement accounts, and I met with them, and I wasn't really sold until he says, we are a fiduciary, which you guys have said over and over and over again, you want a fiduciary. So I went with them, and um, I have a, a decent-sized retirement account, about $600,000, and it got to the point I wasn't comfortable uh, managing it by myself. And the question I have is, there's a couple things he brought up at our meeting, and he, he said that, uh, I'm 64 years old, I'll be 65 this summer, and he said that the uh, I could put off collecting Social Security until I'm 70 and withdraw enough to bridge the gap in my, you know, with my expenses until that time and I'd be better off. And he had a, um, a chart that had all the numbers to do that. What do you guys think about that? Well, generally, here's, yes, the chart, we could get into that, but just think about the numbers generally. Every year you wait after age 62 until age 70, your Social Security benefit goes up about 8% a year plus inflation. So you have to be a really good investor, and I happen to know the company that you're talking to at your major employer, and I know them, and I, I respect their work. You have to do really well as an investor to make 8% a year. It's really tough. Number two is sometimes drawing out of the portfolio over time. There's reasons to rebalance things. You're in, you're in a particular mix. You take some of the winnings off the table. You put those in your pocket. You wait on Social Security. My question to the advisor would be, you know, how long do I have to live until I get that back? Because this is one of the parts of the equation. People tell me, well, nobody in my family lives longer than 75 years. Then I'd want, then if my advice to my client would be, then take your money and enjoy it sooner. Um, number two would be, when are you actually going to retire? Do you have a date? Well, I was going to retire in July, but I'm thinking about working till the end of the year. And, um, I mean, I, I, I think it'd be tragic to... for you to take Social Security before full retirement age, which is probably going to be 65 or 66, somewhere in that area. Well, and don't be confused. When you go to the Social Security Administration website, which is really excellent, there is a difference between, quote, full retirement age and uh, the age at which you will get the maximum annual benefit. Well, that's what I was trying to say. 70 is the maximum. So, right. is that and what you were trying to say? That is, yes. Well, he was talking about, um, you know, and I, I can see holding off on getting the Social Security talk 70 because I also have two pensions, and then the amount that I would need would not be very much. I own my own home. I also have a piece of property that is uh, reasonably valuable. It's uh, a large piece of property in the middle of a golf course that I've had for 40 years. Um and I could sell that and invest that also. But I just, you know, I was looking at all these numbers, and it, it, to me it made total sense because he had the withdrawals for Social Security, and then when I quit 
taken the extra withdrawals and he put me in a, I would call it, I guess, medium high number. I mean, the, the scale of risk is one to 10. And he put me in a six, which over a 15 year time frame was a 7.68% average gain for 15 years. I think you got some really good, good. advice there. By, by the way, if you could look in on your piece of property for a Wilson seven, I think I hit one that's still sitting on that piece of property. That's how bad a golfer I am. You know, the other, the other thing that I think is really important here is this moment at which people retire. Uh, a lot of times you can leave your retirement account with your employer. If it's a large employer, they might have very low expenses. It might be a very good plan. You will undoubtedly get approached by a lot of people who say, roll it over, Absolutely. let me manage it for yep. it. That doesn't mean that that's yeah. the best decision, it's so think so, carefully. It's a wild west out there once you roll that money out of that plan, which, by the way, I know the employer, I know the people managing it. The plan is good, and the people managing it are good. I think you got some great advice there, Eileen. How about you getting some great advice? 855-935-8255 as we continue on Talking Real Money. Tom and Don are talking real money. Keeping the podcast breaks as painless as possible is my goal. That's why I want to very quickly tell you about the only magazine I've ever heard of that is one hundred percent real investing all the time there's no business news no speculative advice and certainly no lifestyle stuff it's called real investing journal i publish it every quarter and you can get two full years for only 25 bucks at realinvestingjournal.com that's realinvestingjournal.com future we're talking real money welcome back to talking real money our phone number is 855-935-TALK 855-935-8255 i'm tom cock don mcdonald well if you see him driving on the wrong side of the road that's okay because he's in new zealand he's supposed to be driving on the wrong side of the road so i hope he's enjoying some time off Lawrence Cock of Counsel at Cor Cronin here to, uh, well, kind of correct me when I'm wrong like he does every other day and has for many, many, many years. And if you have any pressing securities litigation needs, uh, you can answer those questions as well. Let's let's keep the employment law off today. What do you say? Uh, it's, just don't, <laughs> Unless it's your employment yeah, question, well, that's Tom. A whole, we, don't, we, don't have a, we have a long afternoon if we're going there. So uh, let's go back to the phone. Steve has been patient and now joins us here on Talking Real Money. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you for asking. How can we help? Okay. Um, my wife and I have been going around and around in circles with this. Um, we have a high-interest credit card. We have about 20000 plus on the card. I said, why don't we do a second mortgage and pay, get rid of that card and pay at a lower rate? She says no. She's afraid of losing the house. We both have really good jobs. I've been at my job for almost 30 years. So then I threw this out. I said, well, how about if I take the 20-some thousand out of my retirement at a lower rate, you know, uh, pay off the card, and then buy back my retirement at, a, at a, like a 4%. And she's not going for that. And she, we've been struggling with this. She's only making the minimum payment. And if we keep doing that, it's, you know, we're just treading water and we've done all the credit card things, you know, go to the, that's how we got here in the first place is we've changed credit cards, getting a lower rate, but guess what? When the lower rate's done, it goes way up. 
So what would you do? Okay, so what is the interest rate on the credit card? It's like at 12 or 13%. Okay, so it is is expensive money. Now it's expensive. Yeah, money. no, I get it. I I'm going to rule out the last option that you gave of taking the money out of the retirement plan because okay, number one, you got to pay the taxes on that. Number two, you got to pay the penalty. Well, I think he was saying that one option was to take a loan from oh, his retirement yeah, and then not, repay the yeah, loan you to yourself. Loan. Okay, I'm not a huge yeah, fan of those unless it's absolutely yeah. last resort. Um, okay, your retirement should be pretty synchronous. It should be sort of that's there. I'm never going to touch that. And how old are you, Steve? Right. I'm uh, 58. Okay. I mean, you're kind of in that red zone where I'd prefer nobody mess with your retirement. What I, What is the value of your home? Oh, I'm in uh, Wedgwood. It's gone up three folds. So what? Give me I a mean, give me a number. We got, um, well, the the house down the way sold for nine hundred and some odd thousand, and we okay. have we updated our house and stuff. I could probably get you know uh, eight easy. Just okay, and what, more. And what do you owe on it today? Oh, we owe about oh around a hundred thousand. Okay, I, I'm just gonna. I mean, here be my take. I see no reason not to just go refinance the mortgage and pay off the twenty thousand. Yeah, remember, remember. I, I mean, say. the aspect, the only aspect, the disadvantage, and the attorney can correct me if I'm wrong, is your wife is correct. There's greater security for the person that loaned you that money because now this is a debt against your house. But I don't see you losing that. I mean, if you really have six or seven hundred thousand dollars in equity in your home. I would take that money out of there. You're going to probably get it at a pretty low rate in today's environment, four, four and a half, yeah. maybe even lower. Yeah, right, you pay right. that, you get rid of the right. 12% you're paying in the other place. I mean, I, I, you're shaking your head yes or no over here. Oh, I think that that's, that seems like a sound financial decision. One thing I do want to comment on, because we were talking earlier about fiduciary duties and, and duties of professionals, a mortgage lender is not your fiduciary. No, they're and not. And so when you go in and you kind of say, hey, I want to take a loan. Guess what? Uh, you, you need to fend for yourself. Uh, to a greater degree. Now, obviously, it's a heavily regulated product. And more uh, so since 2008. Yeah. But, I mean, here's the thing. What what you're presenting is essentially a, a debt which is intractable for the two of you. True. One way or the other, the debt has to be paid. And so the question really is, is there something, is there some way in which you're spending money uh, that could be reduced by some amount? Because, obviously, if you refinance, you're going to have a higher monthly mortgage payment. Uh, but one way or the other, in fact, some money has been spent. Uh, you haven't been able to reduce the debt. And so you also need to think about kind of the consumption side uh, of the equation. But I do think, you know, refinancing the mortgage, uh, that could involve expense. Refin course. Refinance it, pay off the 20, cut up the credit card. That would be my suggestion so you don't end up, I mean, because what you're really saying is, you're having trouble meeting your obligations and there's an easy way out. Get rid of that. Clean that up so you can't do it. I mean, or get a credit card that only goes to 2000 bucks. Great question, Steve. Appreciate it. 855-935-8255. We'll be right back with more on Talking Real Money. Tom and Don are talking real money. If you need help allocating your retirement plan at work, you can get free help at 401411.com. That's 401411.com. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. 
Welcome to Talking Real Money here every week to help you make good decisions about your money, whether it's, well, yeah, spend a little less, save more. Sure. Hadn't heard that. Invest it right. Who to trust? When to take Social Security? Should I take out a HELOC? Paying down debt? All those kind of questions. We want to help you get it right. And that's why we're here. 855-935-8255. And let's go back to the phones. Randy joins us here on Talking Real Money. Hi, Randy. Good afternoon, guys. Hey, I want to follow up with you on that uh, home equity, or uh, excuse me, capital gains advice you gave earlier. I've got two homes, one in Everett, one in Marysville, and I talked to my tax man, and he was telling me, I asked him, if I move back into my rental house in Marysville, how long do I have to stay there so I don't have to pay the 48000 capital gains if I were to sell it for what I think I could today? And he's telling me that it goes down by a percentage per year. You know, that's, I, I, I think that's good advice from your tax person because I don't know that. I mean, I, and, and so I'll be right up front. I'm not giving tax advice, and I'm <laughs> prohibiting Tom from giving tax advice. <laughs> that's why I brought my lawyer with me. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, he shows up at home a lot, too, and I'm talking to my spouse and tells me, don't say that again. Uh, and so, don't record it unless you have permission from the other person. <laughs> no recording. Uh, that's a great question. I don't have an answer for you there. I know you, that you do have to move back in because you need to make it your primary residence for two out of the last last five years that's as far as my knowledge around all that goes okay that's i i understood that and i've got a a great situation here where the tenants that are living there are willing to flip houses they're willing to move into my primary residence i have now and i'll move back into the rental but you said something about the five hundred thousand, and i was a little bit confused oh yeah i mean that's so on either property that you sell and it meets those circumstances we discussed two out of the last five years you get uh you you get an exemption of capital gains tax are you single or married i'm single so you get an exemption of two hundred fifty thousand dollars of capital gains tax on the sale of that real estate okay i've I'm not following. That. Yeah. So okay. here's how it works. So let's say let's say that you who bought thought it? the lawyers would come in to clear things <laughs> yeah. up. This yeah. is a shocker, but okay. Yeah. Let's say you bought a piece of real property and you lived in it as your personal residence and you bought it for two hundred thousand, and then uh, you have it for twenty years and you sell it for four hundred thousand and you haven't put any money into improvements. So the gain on that asset is the difference between the price that you paid two hundred thousand dollars and the price you received four hundred thousand. So there's a gain of two hundred thousand dollars. What the tax code okay. says is if you meet certain conditions, then you do not have to pay capital gains up to the first $250,000. And therefore, since your gain was two hundred, dollars which is less than two fifty, dollars you would not incur a capital gains tax. All right. Okay. I got you now. Yeah, I but I mean, all, okay. these, all these tax issues, you, you must get advice from especially an, when an, you have two properties and i think it makes either it more confusing, an enrolled yeah. an enrolled agent or a certified public accountant yeah that's, that's great those are the people you need to go to i mean you can go to a tax lawyer but i think that that would be overkill and it sounds like you might be overkill in in real estate this is another thing i see a lot it's a fascinating thing since we have an office in scottsdale guess what every person was doing in arizona in the mid 2000s they were buying other homes they were buying rental everybody did that and then what happened bang crash the market went crashed is the right word and there prices have not even rebounded to pre-crash 
levels yet. So this shows you that real estate can be very volatile. So don't get overcommitted to one <clears throat> asset class. Real estate is an asset class. Well, concentration do concentration yeah. exists in a lot of different forms. That yep. can be buying stock in the company at which you work. Yes, that's, that's a, a form of concentration, yep. uh, over-concentrated in real estate. Uh, over-concentrated in a single alternative investment uh, rather than a balanced portfolio of, of stocks and fixed income. There you go. Uh, over-concentrated in the United States versus international. I thought I was going to get to say something this week because Don was no, gone, but how no, long no, that was. He's on the wrong side of the road, and so are you. <laughs> so again, let's go back to the phones. Dean, or Denise, pardon me. Denise, how are you? Thanks for joining the program. Thank you. I'm doing well, and Good. I hope you are as yes. well. Um, I have a question. My husband recently died, and I got his IRA. He had a couple of IRAs, but I got his IRA, and I had two questions. One, on Social Security. I wanted to pick up his Social Security and let mine stay until I was 70. However, I'm a little uh, concerned because... I don't, I recently retired as well. So right now, while I'm waiting for Social Security and everybody to get their eggs in a row, right now I'm just living off my savings until that takes place. So, one, I want to make sure that waiting until 70 is a good move for me. And then another question I have is, with that being said, do you know whether or not I get this year grace. Somebody in Social Security has said, oh, you get a year's grace for earning over that amount because my income for the first quarter of the year before I retired was more than what he would get for the whole year. Yeah, I mean, the, the last question is more complicated. The first part is pretty simple. Once they, they redid these rules a couple of years ago, once you file for any benefit, you have deemed mm -hmm. the deeming rule that you have filed for the benefit that you're going to get later. So there is no file on one person's and then suspend that later and get the larger benefit. Social Security should have made that clear to you. They did not. So the, I need to take that higher... If you're going, I'd have to look at the numbers to get into all this because yes, you are. Okay. You were married to your husband at least ten years. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you are qualified to get his benefit, and your benefit is going to be larger than his. Is that what I heard? Yes. So we'd have to sit down and look at that, and, and look at the fact that you may have to wait longer to get it. But once you file on either of those, you are deemed to have filed for Social Security. It doesn't matter whether it's his or yours. There is no picking one, taking that for a while, and then getting yours later. They got rid of that rule a few years ago. Really? Yep. So I just met with them Thursday of this week. Well, it's very odd. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm almost, I mean, I'm reading the rule right online that the deeming rule says once you pick one, you're, you're, that, that sets the date for any benefit. There is no, I took my husband for a few years, and then at 70, I took mine. That's my understanding. Okay. So I'm sorry for your loss as well. So, but yes, I would go back to the Social Security to make sure that I'm clear on all of those things. Well, I mean, isn't the bottom line? I mean, part of the reason that you're picking up the phone and calling is because you have a complex situation and you need advice. And I think one question that you need to ask yourself is who is the right person or persons to give you advice to navigate, you know, this difficult uh, process part well, of it's, it's a, a financial time. process yeah. and, and emotionally it's a yeah. very difficult process and so I think that you need to decide 
what sort of advisors you need? It sounds to me like you might need uh, somebody to assist you with the tax part. It sounds like you need somebody to assist you with the benefits part. Uh, and then there might be, IRA, yeah. I mean, then there might be a probate, you know, or not. There might be reasons to do a probate. There might not be any reasons to do a probate. And so um, I think that you need, you do need advice uh, that could be starting with an attorney, that could be starting with a certified public accountant, that could be finding a qualified financial advisor, uh, or perhaps it's a team that works together. And you can learn a lot of that at uh, Retire Meet in Everett, just a few weeks away, May 5th. Myself, I'll be speaking. Don McDonald, the great Paul Merriman joining us. Herb Weisbaum, among others. Go to retiremeet.com. Just a few tickets left. Saturday, May 5th in Everett. Retiremeet.com. We'll be right back with more on Talking Real Money. Tom and Don are talking real money. We mentioned 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255 throughout the podcast. But you need to know that you can call that number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Leave your question, and those will be answered in special Talking Real Money podcasts that will appear on this particular site in the future. So give us a call, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Thank you for being part of the program. We'd love to see you out for our next big event. This one's in Everett, first time on the north side. Go to retiremeetmeet.com. You can learn about all the great classes, the fun we're going to have, the food we're going to serve, and the education you are going to get at a very reasonable cost. Early bird tickets still available. And again, the event is nearly sold out. So join us Saturday, May 5th in Everett for Retire Meet North. And easy to go online and get registered. Retire Meet, R-E-T-I-R-E-M-E-E-T, retiremeet.com. We hope to see you on Saturday, May 5th. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.